Welcome to Lost and Rewound here on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Jimmy Hoffman. And I am Alon Danziger. And it is time to get embarrassed with us. our episode last week thanks so much for coming back and checking out lost and rewound on radio free brooklyn once again i'm alan joined by the ever so incredible voice extraordinaire jimmy hoffman you're talking about me i'm talking about you <laughs> me? i'm talking about you okay well uh, I, uh, yeah that yeah okay <laughs> You just, again, like with all the different voices, I wish that there was some way that I could like travel back in time and be impressed so much that I could actually find a way to make my voice fluctuate with more success. Someone was telling me recently that they were, they'd heard recently that there was this scientific thing about people from cities, that people from cities have a much easier way of adjusting their voices and their accents and things like that and their dialects because they're speaking to so many different people all the time. All the time. Yeah, and they, you know, one thing that I did as a kid is that uh, my mother was a salesperson. I basically would, I would notice her as she would call people up. They wouldn't know who she was on the phone and because they didn't see her, it was really easy for her to just put on whatever voice they were speaking to her in and I would see her like adapt her accent to meet their accent. Mm-hmm. And since I have like a very ambiguous race, I always had that ability that I could just say, let me just go a little bit this way. like <laughs> Go fly under the radar. Yeah, you know, because if someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I was looking, I wanted to go down the road a piece and see if you had a little bit of this, you know, fun times in New York City. I'm like, don't worry, buddy. You just go right down here around the corner. You'll find it. You got you. It's right over there. <laughs> it's only offensive sometimes. <laughs> On this episode, this week, we are uh, joined by Claire Linick. But in case you're catching us for the first time, we do delve into the world of audio cassette tapes, specifically, uh, at least for my convenience in the 90s, but not so much the case now. If you got stuff from the 80s, you got stuff from the aughts, whatever, we want to hear what you got. Yes, again, go deep, deep into your treasure trove. Find that box you have in the, hidden under the bed, in somebody's closet, those tapes that you never wanted to be heard again, but you, you know, didn't throw away because you knew, you just knew someday destiny might lay in them. And maybe, just maybe, on those tapes, you will be able to hear uh, something like, uh, you know, a different voice that you didn't expect to hear. Certainly the case that when we're that young and we're trying to emulate celebrities and try on our impressions or... Can you do any impressions? You know, yes, I can. I, but it's... Bust it's, it out. Well, That's, the, the gauntlet has been laid down. The, the only impression I can really do at the very moment that I can possibly think of is Robin Williams. Because Robin Williams is the celebrity that everybody seems to always equate with me just by looks and by talking and all that sort of stuff. So if you really want to be told the ground roll, I'm going down a windy, windy road and I don't know where I'm going, but I feel like we're just going to veer off. Just like that. 
Not bad. Not I mean, bad. you've even got the hairy arms like him too, <laughs> and the, and the hairy knuckles. Do not forget about the knuckles. But that's yeah, dude. I definitely I like that. I like that. All right. At two, Jimmy. Did you say at two because you saw this dagger hidden in my cloak? <laughs> I, I, I got lunch from a lovely French lady, so French is on my mind right now. All what right, can I do? Right. What um, can I do, man? It's fresh in my mind. Freshy. My I don't, I want to say when I was a kid. I don't know if I really did any real impressions that much when I was young. I'm trying to think. I know I have some now, but I can't even remember that when I got them. But uh, I feel like the impressions I do are all like just one line. I can't do more than the, the one bit. So I'm not gonna like pretend that I'm some sort of impression master. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you, I'll, but you're a cinemaphile, so you've seen a ton of movies, and you probably had one or two that stuck out. Action stars, probably, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll break out. I'll break out what I have right now. I'll unsheath this glory. <laughs> unsheath it. Uh, so I've got Mickey Mouse. Oh boy! <laughs> and I got uh, Mario. I think right. Okie dokie. I've got Yoda. <clears throat> I've got. There's another one in there. Uh, Curly, Three Stooges, right? Slightly. I mean, it's not nothing. Nothing to write home about. Well, what would happen if Mickey Mouse and Yoda were like having coffee? Could you like do a back and forth right now? Um, see, that's the thing. I, I, is me... it too? Is it too difficult? It's okay. Oh, it's let me too... try it. Let me try it. I don't think I've ever done that before. Let me see. Uh, I've done dialogues with myself, recorded them before for for school projects in college. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let me see. Uh... The young mouse, you must make sure that when you open the new theme park, make the ride midway, make it fun. Well, I just want to make sure that all the young boys and girls will have a good time and learn the fourth. Make sure that the evil Sith don't come down and ruin my parade. <laughs> Doing that Mickey Mouse voice makes my heart like bleed. <laughs> That's incredible. My buddy Brooks, uh, that we talked about last week, he did a Steven Tyler impression that we'll check a listen to right now. Hi, it's me, Brooks. <laughs> and I'm going to have someone as an interview just for a second because he just won't get off this date. <clears throat> He was here before, but he wants to come back. Okay? Now, I will... Here he's coming. Here he is. Hi. I'm Steven Dollar, and I want to sing you a song for my latest album, Big Ones. I don't know, Steven. Um, I, we just don't have enough time maybe for that. Why? Of course you do. Are you ready? Well, yes, I am. Okay. Hey, little darling, your love is legendary. Love's for letters. Ain't in my dictionary, excuse my position, but it ain't missionary, yeah, but I want to walk on the water with you. Okay, I bet you can guess what song that is. Um, well, I don't have the CD big ones, but you gotta know what it is. But, um, how should I know? I think it's only on the CD big ones, because I've got the newest one. Well, you're dumb then, but that's the song Walk on Water. Okay, well, um, here's Elon from that very nice announcement. Yeah. 
Brooks was uh, quite the Aerosmith, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica fan. Those were his, I think, his top three, I remember. Funny how he didn't even really stretch his voice that much more. I know, but the thing that really stuck out to me, and <laughs> we're going to address, uh-huh. is how when you're a kid, you will sing musical lyrics and not know the meaning of what you're saying it's sometimes. True. It's absolutely true. Some sort of phrase, phraseology that's just above your head, and... Because they'll hear kids say stuff to say sometimes the same way. And you just go, man, oh, man, I'm glad that innuendo exists because that kid doesn't get it. And if he did, his little brain would be warped, you know? Absolutely. Now kids get it all the time anyway, whether they like it or not, because it's just an incredible array of visuals and sounds that we are more or less spoon-fed as a culture. Yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely was really surprised when I first started to hear curse words on television, for instance. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when I was a kid, my parents, I guess maybe it was because I grew up in the city, that they didn't really care. My music, you know, could have curse words, my watch movies. They didn't want me to watch movies with a lot of violence in it. Cursing and stuff like that, they they, they, they like language, they really could care less. How would you do a Steven Tyler impression? All lips. (laughs) So he has mostly visual. Wow, what are you talking like? I mean, yeah, you do a lot of this and a lot of that, you know? Steven Tyler, I'm going to get breakfast. Let me get eggs croissant. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get. Amazing. My intention is to try and make any sort of voice, whatever the voice may be, somewhat fluctuating. And with these different characters that I created on the Danziger Zone, I had a skeleton that spoke with a sort of a high-pitched voice. I what had was his name? Scully. Classic. And then a dinosaur that had like a low-pitched voice. So I had the high register, the low register. Well, who was the dinosaur's name? Jockasaurus. <laughs> okay. Which was actually <laughs> was just a... French? It was just a toy of Robbie from the di- from Dinosaurs, the uh, short-lived David. I thought his name was Jockasaurus. Yeah. Jo- like Jock. Because like Robbie oh. wore a sports coat. Okay, okay. And then... Who was the last character? A Star of David necklace called Don Zoni that spoke with a sort of a mix of Pee Wee Herman meets Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, my God. How did I, how did I walk out on that? How did I miss that one, man? Pretty awesome. That's sort of reminiscent of uh, the paperclip for Microsoft Word. If, yeah. Like, if he actually had his own, like, narrative story. Right. And he wasn't just teaching you how to use Microsoft Word. I'm going to teach you all about the Torah, and we're going to fight crime. So Scully kind of just spoke in a very matter-of-fact, really just positive about life. He would lose his limbs all the time, and as long as he had his head on, that's all that mattered. But he would go to the hospital a lot. Jockasaurus was the guy who worked on talking about the radio, and he had uh, the finger on the pulse, or shall I say the talent on the pulse, of making sure that all the music that got to the Danziger Zone got there with at least some shred of professional ability. As if that is a real word. He's a Jockasaurus. He doesn't know better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, then Donzoni sounded like this. Very much in the case of having two types of characters coming together, kind of like Yoda almost. Let's have a conversation, Yoda. My name is Donzoni, and I am the guardian of the Danziger Zone. Oh, man. No, sorry. Yoda, what's up? Talk to me, Yoda. (laughs) Come on, come on, come on. 
I never conversed with a necklace. Believe it, there's actually things out there that you never would have expected would talk. The force is all around us. Clearly. <laughs> so I had no friends. No, I had friends. I had friends. But uh, no, but clearly not enough that I had to create Don, characters. Don Zoni. Don Zoni. That's, uh, oh man. A lounge singer. You'll be even here at the archives. I do a little singing with Don Zoni uh, alongside Ryan's. Fabulous piano playing. I was taking piano lessons, and that's that clip was just wonderful, being able to listen to me try and sing in that same voice. Just imagine Yoda being a lounge singer. That's that's all you got to think of. Force is strong around me. I gotta do what I gotta do. Giving the Jedis what they need. No, the dark side is so through. Right? Wow. Uh, we're, we're going there. Let's, this is like getting on that Earthworm Jim type of tip. Let's let's take a quick break and when we come back, um, we're going to get even more embarrassed. This is Lost in the World. Doug Johnson is listening out there. I want to apologize for this next segment because we totally promised each other that we would do a segment on First Crushes. And you know what? This one goes out to Doug. First Crushes is a subject that I have tried pretty much to stay away from only because it actually would require me to have to go into detail about what an 11-year-old's mind is regarding adoration for the opposite sex, uh, or the same sex in some cases, but in my case, definitely the opposite sex. I was obsessed with pretty much every girl in my class. I think I was a horn dog in the making, what could I say? <laughs> what better clip to start this off than with this, and we'll get, we'll get your uh, opinion about this, Jimmy, when we, when we play it. Let me know what you think. No. They uh, understand that whatever Alon says is not true. Because in the American language, Alon is non-existing. His name may not be Alon and what he says. He says it's like Huchalacha or something like that. Some Mexican name. But if you think for a second that the guy that was just talking is serious well he's not he is non-existing he is a liar he is pathetic and he loves Amy Panza no just kidding he's not pathetic but he loves Amy Panza and he's not anything else but he does love Amy Panza he's gonna ask her out to the dare dance he's bringing her to his birthday and he's just an Amy maniac. That was me, an Amy maniac. Jimmy? Are you still, like, Facebook friends with this person? Yeah. Does she know you were an Amy maniac? Totally. <laughs> it was, I guess it was common knowledge. Of this. Who was this other person that was saying that? Oh, that was Corinne. Corinne Tracy rode the bus with me. And so I may have had a little crush on her, but it was not the same kind of crush as I had on Amy Panza. Because... Oh, man, that was a crush. Tell me something embarrassing you did. 
Tell me something embarrassing I did. Like in relation to trying to impress this girl or oh, you know, uh, I, I spend can... another moment with her or whatever <laughs> it happened to be. Well, I, I do remember that uh, we had a conversation on the playground where I professed that you know I had a crush on her and she proceeded to tell me that she was already going out with Jeremy Coyle. So, no. That was cool. Like, I, 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 looking back, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I missed my chance then. And I knew that really deep down, she just didn't want like me that way anyway. So anybody was probably going to come first. This guy, Nate Robbins, who we heard last week, I think he was even more of an interest to her than I was. So it wasn't very difficult. Anybody probably was higher on the totem pole in the sixth grade class <laughs> with the elementary than me. But here's what was really amazing was when I had my 12th birthday, I invited Corinne, but she couldn't make it. I invited Amy. Amy ended up being the only female uh, from my class that showed up to my birthday party at the Wooden Wheels in nice. Port, Port U in New York. <laughs> The Wooden Wheels roller skating rink, rather, and she showed up. So she was really cool for doing that, and she was really cool for taking it like a champ when um, my father proceeded to kiss her on the cheek as a form of endearment and because evidently that is exactly what every father of their son who has a crush on said girl does. (laughs) Because he's inappropriate. He just didn't realize that it was inappropriate to do that. Like, thanks for coming, you know, just being all, like, lovey-dovey and, you know, meaning well. Not when you're 12 years old. All right, fair. Was she, like, high in demand? Were you, like, not the only guy that had that? Or did you start, like, a trend? Or were you the only one that saw it? It's a good question. I really don't know. The first girl I actually ever technically had a crush on was Michelle Zaharif in second grade. We've established this on Facebook. It's really kind of funny. Like, she, she, and, I, she and I have chatted, and she was like, you had a crush on me back then. And I was like, I totally did. Uh, draw, drawing her picture or something. Drawing the two wow. of us or something. Yeah. That's pretty. <laughs> drawing hearts and Writing like you know, Mister and Mrs. Uh, her last name. Right, exactly. <laughs> I actually don't recall where that drawing went, but I definitely had a, a knack for drawing in my journal a lot back in second, third, fourth grades. But you're right. I definitely remember middle school, mm-hmm. but I don't remember learning too much. I do remember having a crushes on a lot of different chicks. There was definitely like this thing where I liked girls and I wanted to spend time with them. But the, it didn't go anywhere because I didn't know what I was doing. So right. I had developed this whole game, and it was like AIM game. You know what I'm talking about? AOL, AIM? Oh, AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, I had that yeah, AIM. Yeah. I had that try to get that AIM swag. Rocking, yeah, And you would sure. like hit up a girl. You'd find out her AIM name from like another one of your friends. And then, hey, like, I like you. <laughs> I wanted to tell you that I like you. I mean, I had a decent aim ratio. It would be half the chicks I would confess love to. That was exactly like all these just schoolboy crushes that happened one after the other. Like two weeks later, you have a new one. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Um, That's how, I mean, come on. If you had any crush that lasted over a few weeks, you had clearly very deep, deep rooted feelings yeah, for that you know, person. So more uh, than you should have for but that. I, age. But I still remember that that it would be like half of them would be like, "Ooh, like I like you too," and then I would have like no idea what to do. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, you'll be my girlfriend. And they'll be like, cool. And then maybe we would hang out. Because <laughs> we're like 10 and 11 and 12. And then, like, you know, as I got a little older, I realized, like, I remember I remember being 14 and, like, 15, looking back and being like, God, you were such an idiot. You had all these girls at your fingertips, but you were just, you were just 
eating ice cream with him on a bench. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It seemed it's that, there's nothing wrong with that. I th- you, you had it easy, man. If we, we, I had to be driven everywhere. That would it's just not as easy to do that. I mean, it when, wasn't, but it was even when I was 14, I didn't know what I was like. You know, I was like in my mind at 14, I was like, you could have totally had a kiss on the lips, dude. Mm. Totally could have had a peck. Yep. You know, so it's it, it's silly. I feel. The first girl that I ever had a really big crush on that I can remember was this girl named Lauren. And I don't remember her last name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think... You're protecting her. It's okay. I am. No, I don't think I'm Facebook friends with her anymore. So I don't know who she's connected to. But yeah. I'll, I'll, one thing I remember about her is that she had really big eyes, really straight hair, and she had these really cute, like, kind of rabbit buck teeth, and I was into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it just was what it was, right? Like, yeah. But I How do, old were you? This was in elementary. This was uh, third and fourth grade. Word. And then I remember that, uh, you know, back in those days, all you could kind of do was hope that you guys got put into a game of truth or dare together. Yeah, man. And that someone would dare you to kiss each other. And then that did happen, and I felt like a champ, but I was like, again, eight years, nine years old, so... And how long did that unrequited love go for? I, I want to say that after elementary school, you know, you know how you change schools and you like our new. Did person? you change schools a lot? Personally, I never changed schools once I started one. But in New York, you know, I went to elementary and middle school and high That's school. That's true. And... You just get pushed around depending on what district you're. From. Yeah. So when I after fifth grade, it was a new school. Sixth through eighth is a school. Ninth through twelfth is a school. Every time you get to a new school, you're like a new person. I would get like a new haircut, new voice. <laughs> you would J- Jimmy 5.0. I actually of... used to change my name. Wait, what? Yeah. Every time I go to a new school, I would have people call me something different so that I could try it out when I was growing up. Okay, Hoffman. What were your names? They were all just iterations of my name. Um, Did you spell it with like Jimmy with uh, with like a Y at the <laughs> no no in, I never in the, instead of an I it was never really or strange. vice versa. So when I was in elementary school, I was Jimmy. And I went to middle school, and they you were... You spelled like Jimi Hendrix, too, at one no, point, too? No, no, never, never, never. Or were you James? Or J-I-M-M-Y, the classic, legit... I mean, Ys are cool. Why would I want to get rid of a Y? You know, I'm into the Ys. I went to middle school, and they were, like, calling the kids attendance. He goes, I'm going to try to make it fair, and I'm going to call everyone's name in reverse alphabetical order. And then we were like, whatever. My name's in the first half of the alphabet, so I was like, I guess this is not a big deal. I'm sort of towards the middle. And then he, took, he called this kid's name James Kerwan, and it, he was like, yo, I'm Jimmy. And he's like, okay, you're Jimmy. And then they were coming like a couple names later to me because I'm H. And I was just like, I don't want to be Jimmy too. <laughs> 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 Sounds awful. <laughs> and I also thought I really don't want to be Jimmy H. The saying letter H is a name. Hey, Mr. H, or something like my father was Mr. H. I know for sometimes so he just I hated the way it sounded. So I said, no. He said, okay, James Hoffman. And I just went, here. <laughs> and then for middle school, everyone called me James. Wow. When I went to Boy Scouts, they called me Jim. When I went to high school, they called me Jim. And then when I was in one class in high school, the teacher goes, I want you to write down what nickname you want on this piece of paper. I will call you whatever you, whatever you write down. Anything? It could have been anything. She says, anything. Wow. She says, Make sure you you you're not you're serious about it because I'm gonna call you this for the rest of the year. Wow! And, and I'm not gonna go back on it. That's awesome. So I was like, Yo, I'm gonna write the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to move away from the mic there for a second. Yeah. Wow. That's... So 
That's rich. Yeah. So I said The Flash uh, with The. She was like, cool. And she called me The Flash for the rest of the year. And there was like, a, there was like only a couple kids that used to call me The Flash every once in a while. But it was the kids that didn't really know me that well, that like from that class, they couldn't remember my real name, but she called me The Flash so often. So this was in high school. This was in high and school. where and when in high school? This was exactly. junior year of high school. So junior year of so high like school. like 15 or 16. Did ago. you have a girlfriend? Yeah, I did have a girlfriend that So year. The Flash was dating back then. Yeah. I uh, I had a girlfriend all all of junior year, and then we broke up in like the start of senior year. Uh-huh, because you weren't The Flash anymore. I was trying to – I was like, oh, I don't want to be tied down. Senior year, baby. And then <laughs> – The Flash has got places to go. Yeah, I got really fast. <laughs> but she, I still remember, like, she'd be like, The Flash, did you do your homework? It was just – it never got old, and I was never upset that I said that. So you had the girlfriend, though, before you became The Flash? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, if you got it after, <laughs> that would have been incredible. Yes. Um, I don't even know if she even knew about the whole Flash thing. She wasn't in that class. But So in that class, you were The Flash, but in, you know, eighth period, you were just back to being old Jimmy Hoffman. Yeah, but every once in a while, someone will call me The Flash. Other people will be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's really funny. That's a really great comparison based on someone like me who never got away with ever having his name different uh, except for just being spelled and pronounced wrong. But it was always Alon because there was never anybody else around me that was Alon. If I was writing down my name on a similar sheet of what your teacher had given, I probably would have just said E just to make it simple. Yo, what was that other one? Uh, E3. E3, yo. E3 in the flash. (laughs) In in sixth grade, I think I had Lonnie, which I was was about to say Lonnie, man, which is Lonnie pissed me off. Which is awful. It's really bad. (laughs) Well, because I didn't understand why it was so dumb, like, or why it was supposed to denote something of laughable nature. I didn't understand. And I guess, like, I had to do my research and realize that it was because it was uh, a girl's name. Not like Ellen mispronounced Alan was any different than that. So, you know, I heard them all. I heard all the different mispronunciations you could find under the sun. Alan, Eon, Ellen, Alone. Alone. <laughs> alone. Um, How the, could I get you, Elon? The, the only, I can only think of two Lonnies right now. And, you, wait, uh, you actually – I know Lonnie too, but you actually – There's a pro ball player for the, for the Cleveland Indians, uh, Lonnie Chisenhall which is a ridiculous name. And um, then I remember in Animal House, there's the part where they go to the, um, the the preppy kid's frat, and there's the guy Larry, and he's in the side, and he's like, yeah, this is, and he's like reintroducing him. They keep putting all like the lame guys on the side of the party. Yep. And he comes to the party, and he gets put with all the lame guys, he realizes, and like one guy is blind, and like one guy is eating weird stuff off the floor, and he's like introducing him, and he's like, so this guy's uh, Lonnie and Hajib, and yeah. Maybe that's where it came from. The MP3 of that file that we heard with Corinne is Corinne Blows Up My Spot, <laughs> which was, it's an apt way of putting it. Uh, that was not the first time, though. Amy Panza came up in the Danziger Zone mentionings. Actually, there is a first one that predates it by several months. Let's take a quick listen to that. Oh, baby, Amy Panza lights my fire like, oh, like, 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 I don't know. It's hard to say. Oh, God. Excuse me while I brag about myself. I don't know anybody. I don't. I'm sorry. 
But I'm not sorry because that's what we're here for. Just brag about yourself, dude. Exactly. <laughs> Stop bragging. bragging. Well, I I don't know how to respond to that kid. I don't. <laughs> I just don't know what is going on and how he thinks that's appropriate. But it's – Dude, you were – It's incredible. Yeah, I like how the, how you described yourself earlier when you were like, yeah, young horn dog. There's sort of an innocence when you're talking about a kid who has a crush on a girl and he, he'll be like, oh, my goodness. She's just so gorgeous and I, I can't get enough of her. Now, in retrospect, thinking back and saying, well, that was me as a, as a, as a human. I'm an adult now. And if I acted like that now – They'd come for me with the white coats. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're living in a much more politically correct society now, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. We're talking about music and influencing people. Yeah. Were you listening to some Jim Morrison? No. But <laughs> she, funny she enough, was lighting your fire, man. But oddly enough, my dad was a big Doors fan. Man, it all comes full circle. I'm telling you, she's lighting your fire. People are strange. Yep. Now we know. There was certainly this inescapable sexual innuendo that permeated throughout the entire 90s so much that MTV just latched right onto it like a tick on a dog. Totally just allowed things to just sort of spiral out of control to a point where it was unavoidable. The 90s was a time when the taboo still existed, but people were challenging it. And now the taboos are a little more lifted, so people aren't focusing on them as much as they were when, you know, in the 90s, things were showcased and you're right. It was like it was very much in the forefront as they were going against the grain of older media and what was accepted. Talking about no, it's the new world. It's a new generation. We got to accept you know things completely differently now because we aren't who we used to be. When I was young, we used to watch. I used to watch a lot of MTV and a lot of VH1. The the young person's programming ended. Um, it was only on the weekend, you know, or really early in the morning before school started. And then, you know, I was watching daytime television if I was, like, home from school. Jerry Springer, Maury, kids doing backflips when they find out it ain't theirs, you know, that sort of deal. Um, Jerry Springer really was the where, where it all began. I actually recall almost like it was yesterday when I started Poughkeepsie Day School, and there would be kids who would just be sort of almost covertly giving their friends copies of Jerry Springer like on VHS <laughs> because they didn't want Yo, teachers seeing yeah psst. like that was like it was like this episode is the one with the midgets yeah I, I want to no, I want to apologize the, the little person I want to apologize person. and say sorry. yeah I'm sorry it's a little person but that's not what Jerry addressed it as which is why I thought exactly no but that's the other thing is, is that back then there was not that political correctness exactly. and it continued far longer than it should have well I don't know if you ever remember this though you know, nowadays, if a if a fist fight breaks out on the street, some people on the street may yell "World Star." Have you heard this before? I don't. know. What do you mean? You don't know this? I don't actually. Well, you don't know about World Star? Drop drop the knowledge. So World Star, I feel like even there's like a hip. Well, I know World Star hip hop, but yeah. the, is the context basically that you the context have... is that when you film something for World Star hip hop, they want you to promote the video, so you yell, so you like can make it so it's their video. And you tag it by saying something over the back of the video so they can say, oh, it was on their website specifically. Right. So when fistfights break out all the time, even when people aren't even filming them, someone's just like, yo, world star. And I remember when I was a kid, a fistfight would break out and people would be like, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> really interesting. It, yeah. That, so it really was the precursor to world star. Just you would yell out 
a name just to sort I'm of. I'm telling you, or like if never once in a while there'd be an argument and it was like, and then someone that didn't really talk and say something like really outrageous, people would just be like, yo, Jerry, 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 like the whole class. I know that you rocked a huge afro. You were more like sort of a, an alternative hard rock kind of kid when you were in high school. So clearly you must have been influenced by something that you saw on TV. I definitely didn't want to fit into any racial category. I felt like it was really easy in New York to see someone and be like, oh, that person is this type of person. So I said, you know what? I'm going to fit myself instead into a musical category, and I'll dress so people can tell what kind of music I like because that's a positive thing, and I don't feel ashamed. or I don't, I don't feel singled out by saying I listen to rock music, right? Right. When I went to college, I changed that idea. Yes, <laughs> I had my hair had gotten really long. It's wearing all black and you know baggy clothes or whatever. And then one time I was walking across the street in Boston, and, a, and, and this is in Boston. And I had a couple instances where the same thing happened. And this guy yells at me, "You get out of the road, you drug addict!" Yeah. So immediately what? I was like, "Oh snap!" He associated the music with drugs, right? So I was like, "Ooh, like this is not." I'm trying to have a positive association. When people see me, that they think something good instead of just whatever they want to think or bad. So I've actually recently been trying, not today, but you guys can't tell because I'm on the radio. But I've been, <laughs> been trying to dress nicer and fancier, wearing, you know, diamond-encrusted suits and, you know, alligator shoes and diamond-studded you know studded canes. and Diamond-studded canes. And more diamonds. Tell me where you get these diamond-studded jade, jade necklaces, you know, um, you know, leopard furs and things like that. So just so that people can see me and go like, man, that dude looks straight up classy. He looks like uh, he went to a pimp's yard sale. Like, this is crazy. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got our guest for this episode. This is... <clears throat> you want to finish this for me? Lost and Rewound. Uh-huh. <laughs> Based out of Chicago. She writes for The Hairpin, The Daily Dot, and The Second City Network. She also comprises one half of the team of the Twitter, the very, very popular Twitter account, might I add, We Fought About, profiled in The Atlantic, New York Magazine, BuzzFeed. You also might remember her in our former iteration of Lost and Rewound as being one half of a fantastic storytelling team called The Awkward Phase. They released their book recently this year. It's wonderful, and we are proud to have on Radio Free Brooklyn our first guest for Lost and Rewound, Claire Linick. Welcome. Thank you, guys. What an introduction. They sounded amazing. You know what? We got to big up our, our, our pals here. It's really great to hear your voice again. Great that you could join us on this episode. 
Absolutely. So since the last time we chatted, you have gotten married, and that was a whole thing. We did it. We got married um, in the Indianapolis Children's Museum. So among all the dinosaurs, we said our vows. You're not from Indianapolis. Is your husband, Alan, from Indianapolis? No. So Alan is actually... I get confused by the phrase first generation, but I believe he's first generation Croatian. Okay. His dad moved here when he was like 20 from Croatia. Does that make Alan first generation? If if he is the first person in his family to have been born in America, that would make him a first generation. Well, everyone was in Croatia. Um, My family's in Nebraska and we're in Chicago. But my parents live in Indianapolis, so it was kind of a happy medium for everybody and much cheaper than Chicago, so the happiest of mediums. Sure. It must make the uh, the Twitter account even more exciting now because now that you guys are not just a long-term couple, now you're an actual husband and wife team. You are definitely still keeping this active just as well. Yes. So what's funny about the Twitter account is we definitely keep it up to date. But we don't fight as much as we used to. <laughs> in the beginning, we fought like every single day. And now I feel like we've just kind of gotten into a groove each other, with each other. So like when it's a fight, it's a big one. But that's like maybe twice or three times a month now. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, it's good. It's, it's healthy. It's not a bad You know what? Like, But we always get tweets that are like, wish you guys fought more. And it's like, okay. <laughs> So Thank when you. you guys, uh, you say you, you know, you got married at the Children's Museum and it was in the dinosaur. Were you near the bones or were you near like the recreations of the T-Rex sort of deal? Um, a little bit of both, actually. The, um, Sorry, my dog is with me and he's very excited about all of this. I am excited with him. Yes, yes. Um, so we have at the Children's, we have at the Children's <laughs> Museum, they have a few molds. And they also have a very interesting piece there that was one of the first dinosaurs. I'm sure you guys remember reading about this because we were like all 11 when everything was dinosaur and everything was amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. They found a dinosaur with a little bit of fossilized skin. Wow. Was it like like dino dino foreskin? Yes. <laughs> like you know they got it from like a dino circumcision, it had been left over and it was preserved. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and so there was some real fossils there and then some molds. But it was it was pretty cool. And they had the original bumblebee from Transformers. So just what? a lot of <laughs> I'm in, I'm really impressed. A lot of history making moments. Was it uh was it a common thing to get married at the museum there? Or were you guys like no, doing we it were first? one of I we were either the first ones or like one of the first three. Right. My actually my cousin, I wanna say it was last summer got married in Boston at the um New England Aquarium. So similar. Yeah, and it's so po- I was so shocked because it's so popular in Chicago. And we looked at a couple of museums, but they were like way out of our price range. What about um, what about the museum was the most captivating venue for the two of you? Just in general, like I guess a museum in, in, as a whole. Was there like something just like I guess because of the association or just in general because I mean, you could because it could have been any museum necessarily. Well, we're both science freaks. And so that helped a lot. I would say it was basically like the dinosaurs that we freaked out about. And it was a really cool spot. Um, Alan was brought up Jewish and I was brought up Lutheran. So having something that was non-denominational, we weren't like neither one of us were going to be welcome. Fair. Very Um, fair. 
in either person's house of worship. So yeah. middle grounded it. I, I can I can speak upon uh, personal experience. I uh, also, by virtue of my wife being not Jewish, uh, we had to find something that was actually going to be like a healthy medium. So we picked an event space. Uh, incidentally, yeah, exactly. You kind of got to make it work. Sure, sure. I mean, we still had the hoopah the whole nine. <laughs> sort of work in accordance with Jewish weddings. But no, I mean, I get it. I, I do get it. So this must be really a, a fascinating time for you because you are coming out with another book. So you've re- first of all, you've released The Awkward Phase, which is fantastic. Yes. And now you have a second book in the works about the, the, the wedding. We want to talk about The Awkward Phase in a little bit, but I'm really interested to hear about Our Perfect Marriage. Sure. So Our Perfect Marriage is through Quirk Books. Um, I'm sure you guys know Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. And they also just had Miss Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children, which is going to be a movie this year. So we're working around that movie right now. But we're doing something called Our Perfect Marriage. It is luckily not about Alan and I. (laughs) Or it would be a different title. (laughs) Couples to fill out together about their own relationship. Right. And, like, creating their own memory book. It's pretty, you know, I don't want to sound biased, but it's pretty hilarious, and I think people will dig it. When you were younger and you uh, were, you know, obviously with a much different trajectory of what relationships were all about, did you have an idea of what a perfect marriage was all about? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would love to give a beautiful answer about, like, I saw the perfect marriages all around me. But, like, you see 20% of people's relationships, even in your family, and that 80% behind closed doors is a hot mess. <laughs> that You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong. I know. People are – I always get stuff where it's like, oh, we really look up to your relationship. I'm like, us? These idiots? <laughs> are you sure? Are you talking to her? Are you – is this the wrong – the other wrong right email? Yeah. Get out of here. You, you you document yourself pretty well as not being the most graceful of birds, and you had you know some very awkward experiences when you had your first crush. Because we were just chatting about crushes before uh, we came to you for the interview, was there like a sort of a storybook idea that you had in your head for how the perfect relationship was going to begin in high school or middle school? Pretty much the song Skater Boy. By Avril Lavigne. Fair enough. I would be the Avril Lavigne character. Basically, that's what I created my whole middle school persona around. (laughs) Was the song Skater Boy. It's a very to-the-point storyline. It's the only song to this day I can play on the piano. (laughs) Is there actually piano in that song? Nope. (laughs) But you made it. You made it your own. At church camp. Someone taught me at church camp. There's nothing more classical than Avril Lavigne at church camp. <laughs> just, this is what they all, the masters of religion. I'm something <laughs> of an artist, you guys. <laughs> you, you taught yourself how to play piano, or you already are a pianist? Well, I can play one song, and I can basically just pound out the melody line. Incredible. When you were in church camp, was that like a co-ed or was that only girls? I had some amazing church camp. Like I really dug my camp growing up. But then one summer, all my friends decided they were too cool for it. And I was like, not me. Mm -hmm. I'm still into this. And 
It was the biggest mistake of my life. And it was for people who were, I want to say, fifth through eighth grade. And I was the only person in that top tier. Like no seventh graders, no eighth graders besides me, and then basically sixth graders. And I know this until recently that my mom sat in the parking lot for two hours and cried after dropping me off. Oh, gosh. (laughs) This is obviously going to be worse in my life. You couldn't uh, become like a counselor or something, you know? Like when you. No, I became. You know, like when you're a counselor, you're trying to find like that lost lamb and take care of them. Yeah. I was everybody's buddy. (laughs) Hey, buddy! And so they taught me Skater Boy. I got a lot of extra cookies. It was Mm -hmm. so sad. (laughs) Like, but none of the other kids spoke to me, and I also had. I got all of my height by that time, so I was five ten. Wow, that's right. Yeah, we talked about it. You were um, you were extremely tall, like Melissa. You and Melissa had chatted about that. That's that's right. Wow. So that at, at seventh eighth grade, when you're that tall, right? I mean, that can't be normal. So you definitely stood out. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, just I love talking about this with men my own age, but I also got my curves at that time. So just church camp. I had a good foot on everybody and was the only person with boobs. It was it was a nightmare. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the first time you met Alan. When... Oh, dear Lord. I was probably drunker than I've ever been and at a comedy show. And the first thing he ever heard me do was yell from the back row, oh, God, because I hated the show. And he turned around and was laughing so hard <laughs> and um, found me afterwards to ask if I was the girl who screamed during the show. <laughs> We kept popping up in the same places, and after a while, I just started kind of following where he was going to be and showing up there. you gotta, you got to make stuff work for yourself. Hey. You have to make your own fairy tale story. You really do. Yeah, not creepy at all. <laughs> you know what? It worked. Right. <laughs> He's my husband now, so, you know, back off, yeah. buddy. Uh, why don't you watch out? <laughs> it's like when I first met my now wife, who saw me the first time she ever saw me, I was chowing down on a meat pie at the bell house. Just like chowing down, like without any concern for who might be watching me. It really is like that old phrase where it's like when you least expect it. Exactly. Sometimes that's a mess. How long did it take for you guys to uh, eventually become an item? Um, it was pretty quick. The second time that we met up, or like that, I just ran into him at a place because we actually we ran in the same circles but never met for two years and then just like met each other everywhere. Right. And I was like, oh, I've been um, really into like some new music, blah, 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 blah. And he decided that we should make playlists for each other on Groove Shark. I love it. And so at three that morning, I made us a joint email (laughs) so that we could share an account of music. And over time, we ended up making 56 playlists for each other. And you know what? Like when I tell this story, like I hope, People don't think this is how I chased every person. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, again, you guys got married. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever pulled anything like this in my life. Like, I pulled out all the stops for Alan. I invited him over to listen to some records, which was our first date. Oh, I was such a loser. I played my accordion for him. I showed him my fossil collection. I just was, like, so nervous. Like, I didn't know what to do. That's hot. I, I pulled out literally every stop I had. I took a girl home one time, but nothing happened. And she discovered that I not only was not really that big into Star Wars, but that I had never read 
or seen any of the Harry Potter movies. How to this day, to my own credit, I can't believe that I have managed to marry a woman who is both of those things, huge into Star Wars and huge into Harry Potter, but does not fault me for it. You, in the awkward phase book, one of the stories you contributed was about Harry Potter. Could you tell a little bit more about that again? Absolutely. So I had bought at the Scholastic Book Fair a journal um, that I had gotten one entry into talking about my great plans to go to Hogwarts the next year. And then at the end, I'm like, I'm going to hide you somewhere really good. Basically, so my older sister, Sarah, couldn't find it. And then I never saw the journal again. Um, until I moved to Chicago, my parents, and they had done a second move already. So it wasn't like out of my childhood home by any means. They'd already second moved to Indianapolis by this point. They brought a box of some of my stuff and some of their old pots and pans. Like, oh, this is just stuff we thought you could use at the new place. And the Harry Potter journal was at the very top. And I recognized it right away because it was like one of the biggest deals in fifth grade that I had like lost this journal and it was just back in my life at like a tough moment for me. Right. So what house would you have been in, in Harry Potter then? I don't know if a lot knows about this. You know about this? Oh, I know that the, the, the Gryffindor and the Hufflepuff. Uh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. There I go. Griff- Gryffindor and uh, Slytherin and uh, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff and, and then uh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I would have definitely been a Ravenclaw. Mm. Uh, yeah. I would have been a Ravenclaw as well. I, I would have been a Hufflepuff. And you would have you would have been a Hufflepuff to the max alone. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, Claire, I, I rephrase the question again. Would you have ever been able to foreseeably be with somebody not been involved in Harry Potter or been interested in Harry Potter? Could you have been with a Slytherin is what he's asking. Could you have been with a Slytherin? You know, I have tried very hard to cut out my pop culture snottiness. Right. Because I was that person for a long time. And, like, I don't even like that person, so why be that person? And... Let me make it very clear that I married Alan before he knew enough about Star Trek. Mm. And I'm something of a hero. Luckily, I don't I don't know that I've ever met anyone who <laughs> didn't read or watch Harry Potter. Do you think you're just not doing it now because I don't know. It's like how I feel about The Simpsons. I've never seen The Simpsons. Like, why would I start now? I missed it. It's, it's exactly it. So you're growing up and there's something that you are obviously into. You get into it. You continue watching it. And then somewhere along the lines, you just, um, you know, you stop watching it. That's The Simpsons for me. So I certainly watched it a lot when I was younger. But I just kind of stopped watching it because I wasn't that super fan of it. That I needed to watch it. And by that point, my pop culture consumption, it had declined tremendously. And so around that time, Harry Potter started becoming a thing because I was in high school. I was – I guess I was probably a junior when the first Harry Potter book came out, maybe. Oh, there was fifth grade. So that's totally different. I didn't realize the age gap between us because I was fifth grade. So that makes so much sense. It doesn't uh, excuse me from not getting involved in something. But by the time that all like the uh, other books after the third book, I remember coming out and because that's when I started realizing what this was, was when the third book came out. I really couldn't care less. It was really – you, you didn't like Harry Potter, and you don't like Star Wars. No, it's not that I don't like Star Wars. I just... So what do you like, Alon? I, 
What, no. I, what, is, what is something that is like a cheesy science fiction thing that you're into then? Well, I do like Star Trek. So we can, right. we, we original, can, original series or Next Generation? Next Generation, man. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Next Generation is my shit. Blasphemy. It's I'm my a, shit. Yeah, no. This is when I would have burnt your apartment down. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an original series guy. No, come on. Spock? Well, I, I grew up original series. If you grow up with parents watching a certain show so you already had that past that was the simpsons for me the fact that i had uh, parents who were okay with watching the simpsons golden good don't have to worry about that next star trek okay they love watching star trek i wasn't watching it on my own but they watched it all the time especially my dad my mom basically became a trekker because of my father and so therefore i ended up watching it subsequently a lot I didn't necessarily watch everything my parents watched, but because they were watching that, that interested me. I wasn't into watching ER. I wasn't interested into watching Law and Order back then. So you don't watch everything your parents watch. There's an impression that you are certainly going to be allowed to watch certain shows, and there will always be those shows that you somewhat have a little bit of a bonding experience with parents because, oh, well, I was able to watch when I was younger, and I'm just going to continue watching it. But there's always going to be those shows that stand with you after your formative years. This is interesting. Alan just went through the whole series of Friends. He had never seen it. It was so funny to get watch him get so upset about, like, Ross and Rachel... <laughs> And, like, he would get so annoyed with the show to be like, this is just such a classic sitcom trope. This has been done a million times. And, like, I'm not, like, a big Friends defender. I think it's fun entertainment. Pretty homophobic. But, you know. It's one of those things you were saying before also with The Simpsons. It's like, I personally never really watched The Simpsons. And it's like, what am I supposed to go back now and watch 30 seasons I know. Of a and show? he was, like, thrilled with it. But, like, when he was like, this is so overdone, I'm like, yeah, but but it's overdone because of Friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you've seen it 30 times since, but when this was happening, it was the first time we had it seen it. It was very fresh. It was very fresh. Hilarious. Was there a show that Alan wanted you to get into that you didn't otherwise oh my. so a couple of years ago we got invited to an 80s party and alan was like well we have to go as et and elliot and i was like well all right like that's fine i figured i would get to be elliot i had very short hair at the time but i ended up as et at this party <laughs> i love this I, 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 I love you guys so much. As a kid i feel like maybe not not even seeing the whole show but i just remembered it as a very scary movie and I only remember the scene where, like, the government people break into the house looking for E.T. Yep. End of list of what I remember. So we watched it um, on my birthday. So that would have been two weeks ago. And I would say I cried once or twice, but it was just not enough for Alan. <laughs> he cried for, like, two hours straight, and he very rarely cries during movies. He was, like, just kept, like, accusing me of not getting it, not caring. <laughs> and, like, I genuinely enjoyed the movie, but, like, I I greatly let Alan down in my reaction to E.T. Because you were not heightened emotionally enough? The fact that I could get up and walk away and live the rest of my life was wild to Alan. And right. he was like, don't you get why it was so sweet, why we did that costume? I'm like, honestly, it's a little weirder now. <laughs> oh, boy. That reminds me of uh, one of my totally unrelated but related tourism facts uh -huh. about the movie E.T. Do you know that the movie E.T. is considered to be, like, single-handedly responsible for saving the Hershey Candy Company from going out of business? Reese's. Yeah, Reese's. It's Reese's. Exactly. Reese's Pieces. M&M's. 
They asked. They they approached, you know, Mars by using M and M's, and Mars was oh like, God. and Mars was like, no way. And then they approached Hershey's to use Reese's Pieces, and then they were like, we're we're dying. Yeah, we really need any lifeline we can get. And then I remember as a kid eating Reese's Pieces and being like, "Eat the fun home. Like I remember doing that. So like it worked. <laughs> it worked. Clearly, yeah. And Hershey's. That was is- another thing about the costume that Alan wore. He just wore a red hoodie and he got to eat Reese's Pieces all night. And I was under blanket <laughs> with computer paper with E.T.'s face on it. He just wore a red hoodie and ate Reese's Pieces all night. That's. Pretty great costume. Uh, there, there needs to be a we fought about a tweet about this. I'm I'm sure oh, there must there have been. Is. It's from years back, but if you find it, I think we even have a photo of it on there. Awesome. It's a hot mess. We can find uh, you everywhere. We can find you on Twitter. We can find you on Facebook. You're 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 so many places that you just are just going to have to start plugging now because I I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it uh, in a fashion that's you know what no but you'll never find me in real life that's my secret hey no that's cool you're a superhero as far as I'm concerned you are a comedian you're a writer you you are about to release your second book when can people catch this when uh, our perfect marriage comes out um October fourth. Awesome. Is the exact date. Um, I've just seen like the design for it, everything, and it it's going to be awesome. I'm so pumped for people to get to see it. And, and, oh, yeah, and it's basically my like screen name across the board. It's just Claire Lenick. But you had to change that from Claire Meyer. Oh yes, I did. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where can people buy and check out the Awkward Phase book, the collection of stories that you and your handsome partner Tyler Gillespie have put out uh, in February? Um, that is on Barnes and Noble. Is our main vendor. It's also on Amazon, and if you're lucky enough, it's usually in Barnes and Noble, and some smaller bookstores carry it as well. Claire Linick, you rock. You're so awesome. Thank you for being our first guest, and we look forward to uh, being able to get you on the show again another time for sure, Claire. Thanks so much for joining us today on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be back in a little bit to wrap up. This is Lost Brooklyn. show today i learned how to do all sorts of amazing things we learned we learned how to uh make different uh, celebrity impressions celebrity impressions. i learned that robin williams and yoda should definitely grab a drink sometime mm, we, only if you're paying we we learned <laughs> that uh we definitely uh have some terrible terrible uh beginnings with our first crushes Yes. So apologies uh, for any insulting remarks, but no apologies because we're trying to be forthcoming in our embarrassing beginnings here, damn it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. (laughs) Jimmy's like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then what else? And and we had Claire Linich, or Linich, as evidently it is in Croatia. If you guys were wondering... It's spelled L-I-N-I-C. Definitely somebody you should be keeping an eye out for everywhere, be it online or on in the books. And so, maybe you'll catch a passing glimpse of her on the streets of Chi-Town. Thanks again for listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Catch us again next week at 3 p.m. You can also email us your submissions at lostandrewound at gmail.com. I'm Alon. And my name is Jimmy. Tune in next time.
for another episode of Lost and Rewound. Wow.